Welcome to Rave Dad's Diary, the show that explores the globalization of electronic dance music from the perspective of a rural Alberta boy turned raver. I'm your host and resident Rave Dad, Paul Brooks. Rave Dad's Diary broadcasts on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary at the University of Calgary campus and community radio station located on Treaty 7 land. I acknowledge the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta, which includes the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Siksika, the Pagani, and Kaina First Nations, the Sutina First Nation, and the Stony Nakoda. The city of Calgary is also home to Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. Welcome to Rave Dad's Diary. My name is Paul Brooks, and I'm live in the studio today. Thank you very much, Sammy, host of Local Singles. Great show. Also kept the seat warm for me as I was arriving a bit late today. You see, I have received so many parking tickets from the University of Calgary that I just don't bother parking anywhere on campus anymore. So it's always a bit of a journey, a bit of a walking or a cycling journey for me to get here. Today, blew it on the estimation. But that's what happens when you're a volunteer for this long at CJSW. You accumulate a lot of parking tickets. Today on the show, I'm going to share some of my favorite music from the year December, so we get to look back at 2021, and I'll extract some of my favorite tracks, and we'll have a listen to them. Also, coming up on the show, I'm going to speak with harm reduction expert and occasional guest contributor to Rave Dad's Diary, Stacy Marie. She recently teamed up with a new music management company called Compass Music Group in the United States. They manage about 40 artists, and Stacy is working with them to reimagine how music management companies can better support artists and cultivate healthier, a healthier music industry. So we're going to figure out how that works and what Stacy's up to. Stay tuned. Our conversation is coming up in just a bit. Here we go. Here's one of my favorite releases from 2021. Tush is a disco outfit from Toronto. They put out the album Fantast at the end of August. This is the track, Wavy Baby. Oh 
90.9 FM CJSW. You are listening to Rave Dad's Diary. My name is Paul Brooks. And I have a special guest joining me on the line. Uh, last month, my friend Stacy shared some really exciting news with me. And so joining me on the line now is Stacy Marie, a harm reduction expert and uh, a good friend and sometimes guest contributor to Rave Dad's Diary. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Paul. Oh, welcome to Rave Dad's Diary. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's pretty snowy where I am all here in Calgary, so I don't need to say that. Never mind. <laughs> I'm doing well today. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing doing really well. So last month, you shared a press release with me with some exciting news. You and Kristen Karras, who works with the organization Dance Safe, are working with a new music management company called Compass Music Group. And Compass Music Group is pretty big in the U.S. It has a lot of uh, music industry folks that have come together, and they represent about 40 touring artists. So you and Kristen are both harm reduction experts. What are you doing for this music management company? Yeah, so this is really exciting for me to work with Kristen in this capacity. Uh, We have a lot of shared values and a lot of shared views on the music industry, but basically... We have been in contact with the founders of Compass in various capacities with, with each of our organizations, Kristen with Dance Safe, myself with Good Night Out. And yeah, during COVID, these uh, industry folks decided to take the leap and start their own artist management company. And they wanted from the very beginning for it to kind of be the opposite <laughs> of what exists now. So really building in mental health and safety from the foundation of their company, um, filtering out to the artists and filtering out into the fans instead of these conversations being an afterthought, which is kind of the norm right now in music. It's like grind, hustle, grind, it's part of it. And then everyone gets burnt out and taken advantage of. So what could it look like instead if care and relationships were built in from the very beginning of a company? That's a really smart idea. And I think, uh, Right now is an interesting time where this can actually maybe happen after a we've had kind of a pause and some time to reflect. I, I'm wondering, how did this opportunity come about? Did they reach out to you? Did, were you talking with them? How did this idea come up? Yeah, so, I mean, originally my relationship started with probably about four or five years ago. I was ranting on Twitter about sexualized violence as I... <laughs> normally do or normally used to and I got a direct uh, DM from G Jones which really started my relationship and my work with him and his shows and so that kind of laid the seeds and then things fell as they did with his kind of management and the industry and all of these things and they reached out to both Kristen and I to to come on and be a part of this this new project that they're starting. So it sounds like, uh, you know, you, you got some buy-in from an artist, G. Jones, and mm-hmm. uh, they were also influential in, in helping kind of advocate for, for the need for this at the uh, leadership level. Uh, what other artists uh, are interested uh, in this kind of work and have been supporting you and, and collaborating with you? I'm curious if you think this is kind of, if it's growing, if more people are interested in, in this kind of work. Yeah, I mean, uh, as soon as shows opened up, uh, Charles I uh, took a set of kind of um, safety posters with 
him for, for one of the first festivals back after COVID, which was awesome, and kind of incorporated them into live visuals on the stage. Um, I've had a few inquiries lately. I mean, most of my work right now has been focused on supporting Compass artists, but uh, I do hope as shows start to open up, um, more venues or individual artists reach out to sort of replicate this idea of safety not being an afterthought. So I'm wondering if you can give me some examples of how you are working with Compass right now uh, to make the music industry safer. You've given some examples uh, at, at the artist level, but uh, what uh, c- can you kind of talk about how this plan will scale as you work more with, with Compass and what are yeah. some of the things you'll be doing? Yeah, I mean, scale is the important word here. It's really important to Kristen and I that we don't kind of replicate hustle culture, which is really rooted in, you know, white supremacy and the rush to get big impact right away. So so from the start, our relationship with Compass has been long-term planning, planning to be sustainable. These conversations aren't a flash in the pan that you can quickly throw together. And so in these early stages, it's kind of about surfacing what their actual values are, putting them through a good night out workshop, extending, you know, dance safe education to their artists. So kind of building that internal capacity, um, building relationships that are about, you know, healthy boundaries. So, you know, not replying to emails on a Sunday at 2 a.m. and all of these things that set us up for strong internal mental health. And then also look at other, you know, community projects to partner with to amplify the voices of um, and then, yeah, extend maybe these, uh, you know, workshop opportunities out to fans. So as fans start to go to shows, giving them the skills to, to party safely. That's awesome. My guest today on Rave Dad's Diary is Stacy Marie. Stacy is doing work with Kristen Karras from the U.S.-based harm reduction organization Dance Safe. They've uh, started collaborating and they're working with Compass Music Group in the United States to reimagine how music management companies and the music industry as a whole can cultivate healthier relationships and, and better mental health and all of those things that we need right now. Uh, Stacy, I want you to hang out on the line. I'm going to share some music and then uh, I'd love to ask you a few more questions. Sure, yeah. All right, here is some music from New Chance. This is from their remix album that just came out uh, a couple of, well, it came out about a month ago. Uh, This is Two Pictures, The Bile Sisters remix.
90.9 FM, CJSW. You are listening to Rave Dad's Diary. My name is Paul Brooks, and my guest today is Stacy Marie. Hi, Stacy. Hi. We just heard New Chance, a, a Bile Sister remix of, uh, let me see, what was the track that we just heard? The Bile Sister remix of, of two pictures. What did you think of that, Stacy? Could you hear any of it? I could hear it in the background. It was great, yeah. It's a a banger. It's a banger, as they say. So, Stacey, before the break, we were talking about your new role supporting Compass Music Group, which is an artist management company in the USA. I'm curious, you know, I've seen harm reduction and participated in harm reduction at music festivals, and I know what that looks like on the ground but I'm wondering, what does harm reduction look like when it's applied to the leadership of an artist management company or uh, the work that happens outside of a music festival, maybe before or after? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think one thing that really brought Chris and I together is our viewing of the music industry as really an ecosystem. And for shows to go off and, you know, be a success and feel safe and and be awesome and, you know, maybe get media coverage, there's a whole whole ecosystem in place. And some points in that ecosystem historically have been really quite toxic. And so if you kind of peel back the curtain, ideally, if we're talking about a healthy music ecosystem, we're seeing, and this is something, you know, Compass is doing really well, like diversity in artists, diversity in managers, and not just like you know, checking some boxes, but really creating a team where those people are safe and where you advocate for them and where they get to kind of, you know, I don't want to speak for Compass, but but it's a healthy environment to place that kind of diversity within. It's not just like, oh, sweet, we have some, we have some women of color artist managers. We've done the work, but like actually doing that work of of challenging old norms and and being a true ally and maybe working with with venues or other parts of the ecosystem who haven't had a chance to challenge their beliefs about you know inclusion and harm reduction and i mean it comes down to like doing those work and having hard conversations when no one's looking is really such a key part of harm reduction it's not just something you're doing when there's an audience it's what happens when there isn't an audience Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big discussion right now, you know, um, as uh, there's so much uh, performative work that happens online or at the uh, at the level of of, of management, um, you know, uh, people are quick to post, uh, you know, do do their armchair activism, post Mm -hmm. the square, post the graphic, post the hashtag. But the actual work that that gets done is like uh, typically not that exciting uh, in my experience um, and uh, you know it's, it's not the sexy stuff uh, how do you uh, get people excited about this kind of work and, and bringing them on side that it, it is important when it's not like all of the flashing lights and excitement of the actual event itself yeah I think I mean one kind of tip I want to share that really anyone who's organizing a team in industry if we're talking about the least sexy part of it um, something we're strongly encouraging this team and really anyone to do is start start a database of tracking your shows. Like, what shows did your artists play on? What was the lineup? Was there a code of conduct in place? Did you use, you know, you know, women of color or femme or non-binary photographers and graphic designers? And start, like, 
digging into the weeds of like tracking that data. It's probably the least sexy thing to the average person. But then when you do a, you know, a recap on 2022, we can look at like, we're not just talking the talk, we're actually walking the walk. Um, and so, so that's kind of one suggestion. I forgot the second part of your question. <laughs> <clears throat> so do I. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, I, I guess uh, another thing you were you you were referring to um, is uh, the way that like diversity, uh, you know, as a as a as an initiative uh, plays out versus like uh, you know what happens when you go for diversity and you end up inviting people into a hostile environment or an environment that's not uh, that they can't be successful in or or you know free of uh, harassment in. Um, yeah. And I guess I'm asking this, looking at um, this, this, uh, looking at Compass, it looks like a very um, male-dominated uh, company. Just from looking at this press release, uh, so you know, if you're looking at uh, uh, making things more diverse in the industry and actually like having that create change over time. Sorry, long-winded question here. I guess I'm just wondering the tension of that. You're working in a system right now that is very uh, male-dominated, white Mm. white male-dominated. How do you bring in these initiatives to diversify these companies without just creating a situation where you are inviting people into into a system that hasn't changed? Does that question yeah, make I mean, sense? Yeah, and then you kind of invite them in. You think you've done the work, and then when they don't, when they're not set up for, for, for success, they're set up to fail. You're kind of like, well, we tried it. I guess women just can't cut it in this corner of electronic music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, when you dive deep into the artists and the uh, eight artist managers that Compass has, I do think within a system that is very male dominated, they all they are pushing the needle. There is more diverse representation once you, you kind of get into into it. But is it on is it, you know, par? Well, no. But the industry as a whole isn't. And I think what you're kinda of getting at is you can't just like maybe make it fifty fifty and call it call it a, your work done. Right? And it's about I think even the strongest, you know, allies in the industry, um still have work to do and so i think it's continually showing up passing on opportunities giving them you know advocating for your team will slowly chip away at that culture and and you know i i gotta give a shout out to jade jade is on their roster as an artist manager jade Gaines is unbelievable um follow her on twitter if you don't already and i think that she's um being a really vocal advocate and i and i do think because women on this team are kind of really uh, turning to her, to her to name her experience and believe her her past experience in the industry and work to not not replicate them. This is so interesting, and I mean, you're just starting working on this project with Compass, and there's uh, so you know there's a lifetime of work to do, and I'm excited to check in with you along the way and and see how this. Uh, rolls out and to see you know I know that you're tracking the stats so uh, I'm interested to see how things uh, change and evolve over time yeah I mean part of it is like taking a leap of faith like while this is like a pretty important gig for both Kristen and I we wouldn't have done it if we thought 
you know, we were being put on or we were being, you know, added to a project to kind of bolster an idea that will never actually manifest. Um, and so I do believe it was like the perfect combination of, of COVID and the industry being ready for safety. Um, I do realize the challenge of that is like the capitalistic machine is very, very real right now. Mm-hmm. And the, the desire to profit and make up for last time is mm-hmm. definitely something that we're working um, in tension with. But I do think change is possible. And the only you know way to do it is to go out and start your own cool thing if you don't like what's being done. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's what you got to do. You're listening to Rave Dad's Diary. My guest is Stacy Marie. Stacy Marie is working with Kristen Karras from Dance Safe and they're doing some work with Compass Music Group, which is a large artist management company in the USA. And uh, it's been really interesting to talk to you about your work with Compass. I want to ask you a couple of questions about your amazing podcast, which has just wrapped season one, Sanctuary Radio. You just wrapped up uh, last week. How do you feel? (laughs) In hindsight, I think it's kind of wild. Um, I, you know, I haven't really done any form of, I try not to call it a podcast, but I've done, you know, no sort of audio production. And I'm actually like, pretty proud there's a few episodes i think are cringe but on the whole i'm pretty proud that i used covid to like learn a whole new skill and i mean i think that people who don't know me struggle to believe it when i say like i'm actually painfully shy and so listening to myself enough to edit an episode and let go of a lot of the perfectionisms that i hold myself to was like a huge personal accomplishment for me and the fact that people listen and that it's getting listens on the SoundCloud is just an added bonus. Yeah, I mean, I've seen many people say that it's their favorite podcast and they're not <laughs> they're not uh, pulling your leg. It's it's really well done. Um, you know, I, yeah, tell me a little bit about like the the personal reflection because uh, I have been on a journey doing, you know, Rave Dad's Diary. We've been kind of simultaneously working on these audio projects. Uh, but I know the personal growth that is possible through uh, uh, podcasting and forcing yourself to actually listen to your own voice and ums and ahs. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, what else did you learn through the experience of, of producing these, what, 27 podcast episodes? Mm-hmm. Um, one, I learned it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to put out weekly content that isn't crap, first of all. Um, I've also learned that, um, it's really like, like people initially are like, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Like I, I love listening to you, but when you actually listen to the episodes, I barely talk unless it's one without a guest. So, so much of this relies in the, the ability of the guest to like be excited about whatever it is they're talking about. And if you get the right guest and you create a comfortable space for them, it's, the work is really done for you. But there's a few episodes where all I kind of say are my questions and a few yeses, and that's the episode. That's great. I mean, it's yeah. a good feeling when you put the prep in and and it just rolls out like that. Yeah. Uh, what about, can you tell me a time when you really just wanted to, to quit and throw in the towel? Oh, that's a good one. I think at the beginning of COVID, everyone was so available. So I really just made a list of people who do stuff that I think is awesome uh, that I would want to talk to. And then, of course, as 
COVID kind of we move further away from the initial everyone's home and has free time and wants to be on Zoom, uh, it became harder to, to, to pin down people to talk. And I hadn't really considered that I would run out of people to talk to or that there'd be a gap. You know, people would be like, oh, I'm not available until next month. Um, and there was kind of this uh-oh moment of like, can I do an episode where I don't have a guest? Like, I had never thought about that. Maybe I should just play reruns. And so that first episode without a guest was, I thought about quitting. I thought the episode was absolutely garbage, but it actually is the one people have listened to the most. So <laughs> it's kind of taught me that just like, you never know what people want to hear. And if you're just yourself and you try new things, people are on that ride with you. Awesome. I love that. That's such a great thing to learn, especially through such a, uh, I don't know, a, a tricky time um, for, for all of us, especially those people who love to connect with others through through musical events. So mm-hmm. that's really cool to hear. You're on a break right now. Is Sanctuary Radio going to return? Yes, definitely. Uh, I think the Christmas break just kind of, or holiday break was a good time to uh, just not think about it and, and brainstorm some new show ideas and come back fresh. I mean, I started this with the idea to do one new episode a week. And then as the reality of that rolled out, once I'd worked through all the ones I pre-recorded, um, I decided to use one week a month to re-air an episode to kind of give me a little bit of wiggle room. And yeah, by this point in the year, I'm just ready to, to pause for a few weeks, freshen up, get some fresh new guests, and then... Um, come out with yeah just some new new content for next year amazing well i'm so glad to hear that i appreciate your time today thank you so much for being a guest again on rave dad's diary it's good to hear your voice and i wish you so much success with the work that you're doing with compass and i'll be checking in to to hear how that's going and uh all of the best with Sanctuary Radio. Congratulations on season one and all the best with season two. Thank you for having me. It was nice to catch up even if it was on live on the air. We gotta gotta do it, gotta get it in somehow. Yeah. Okay. Bye Stacy. Let's see, let's dance, let's see, let's dance, let's see, let's dance, 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 let's
93.9 FM, CJSW. You are listening to Rave Dad's Diary. The show is winding down for the day. We just heard music from Supa Lua, which is a duo made of uh, Sumito and Hag V. They are from Montreal, and Hag V is... The producer from Brand Van 3000. So there's a little bit of emotional content for you. If the name Brand Van 3000 makes you think about big shiny tunes, uh, like it does me, you know, I have an emotional connection to Heg V and I don't even know it. Uh, they're making really interesting music based on the South African genre, Amapiano. And I'm excited to hear the full-length release from Supalua when it comes out in February. I'm going to end off with music from The Bug. Uh, Fire came out in 2021. It's one of my favorite releases of the year. And my favorite track on the album features Moore Mother, who is an incredible poet, artist, MC, based in the USA. They put out an album this year called Black Encyclopedia of the Air, which is another one of my favorite releases. But here they are on the track Vexed. There is a bit of salty language on this one. Listener discretion is advised. Fuck in your place, here we go race, memory race, just part of the pace, 
your music to sound really, really big, then you gotta listen to this. Welcome to another episode of The Reference Desk, a wandering feature focused on artists, albums, and singles worth shining a light on. My name is Andrew Baldock, and today we're looking at a Saskatchewan four-piece that has a sound greater than the sum of its parts. I'm, of course, talking about The Basement Paintings. Now, right off the bat, yeah, it's kind of an odd band name, but when you give their sound a listen and consider their practice space was very likely a basement, well, it really fits. In their own words, the basement painting's overall sound can be categorized into ambient and post-metal genres. Drums and bass pound the low end of the frequency range while the slithering reverberations of the string section widen the spectrum to exhaustive levels of grandiosity. In other words, The Basement Paintings is an instrumental progressive post-metal band that specializes in an almost orchestral layering of sounds. With each musician taking turns as the primary melody and as the accompaniment, they slowly build from simple drones and acoustic landscapes into infectious grooves and absolutely all-encompassing psychedelia. In other, other words, if you like Isis, Tool, or Russian Circles, you really, really should listen to The Basement Paintings. Sixteen's Mystic was The Basement Painting's first foray into combining progressive metal and ambient styles into a sort of post-metal Frankenstein. And as a cherry on top, it's a concept album. Go figure. From their website, exploring the theme of human experience and the pursuit of knowledge, Mystic reunites the listener with their most primordial state of being, as if somehow it had always existed in them. Peppered with impenetrable walls of sludge and reckless ambient crescendos, the album is a testament to the band's devotion to the muse and her defiance of musical norms. Colorful artistic phrasing aside, I think they succeeded. The album does have a really primal vibe, and it comes out strongest smack dab in the middle of the album with the track Cave Dance.
For transparency's sake, that was a short summary of Cave Dance by The Basement Paintings. The whole song really is an experience. 2019's Antipodes is no different in that it has its own concept running through all of its tracks. Perhaps one that could have been better presented with lyrics, but it's nonetheless present. The band stated, We thought a lot about dualities and society getting stuck in one mode of thinking, leading to problems. Hence the World War II statue on the album art to represent people taking ideology to an extreme and where that leads. The name Antipodes means exact opposites, and also was used by Aldous Huxley to describe the different regions of the mind that can be reached through various methods, including religious experience, meditation, drugs, etc., We hope the album encourages or aids people in exploring different areas of their psyche and the collective psyche. Remember how I said you should listen to them if you like Tool? Now, the basement paintings didn't just burst on the scene with a well-written, fully-formed sound with professional production. They have two other releases under their belt. Their first album, self-titled, is a bit more of a typical progressive metal affair, but you can hear the roots that would eventually sprout into Mystic and Antipodes buried in there. There's also their EP, Time Lapse City, which further develops their sound and almost acts as a teaser for things to come. So the next time you're looking for a really good, active listening album, throw on some headphones and get lost in the basement painting's musical landscapes. It's a good time. This has been another episode of The Reference Desk. Keep your ears peeled. You never know where it might turn up next. Missed your favorite CJSW program? Looking for a new program? Everything you hear on 90.9 FM can be heard again. Go to CJSW.com, yes, CJSW.com, to listen back to all of our programming. CJSW 90.9 FM, broadcasting in Calgary, located on Treaty 7 land, with the Blackfoot Confederacy, as well as the Sutina. Stony Nakoda and Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3.
Yes. Yes.